0: Oh, hey there. Quick question for you before we dive into the episode. Do you know if your hiring practices are compliant under your state's laws? This is something that I've been talking about on the podcast for the past couple of weeks. And it's something that I'm going to be talking to some of my students about in the next couple of weeks. I've just created a new course called Unfuck Your Hiring which is going to be a mini course to help you determine what the contractor laws are in your state and how you can properly onboard contractors and subcontractors into your business. So if you're interested in joining the program, it's gonna be really short. We're gonna go through it in one week, starting the week of Monday, June 26th. It is $100. There's uh, three little modules of course recordings You can go through those in about an hour, and then we're going to do three live Q&As. So you'll get the contractor compliance framework training. That's what I've named the framework that I'm teaching to you in the program. And then we will discuss how to properly onboard your contractors, and you will also get a contractor agreement template. So this is the contract you need to send to onboard your contractors. So again, it's $100. It's going to be really, really fun. We already have about five people signed up. Um, I imagine we'll get, you know, a few more. Hopefully you are one of those people. And if you are interested in learning more, you can check it out in the show notes. So hop on over, sign up, and I will see you in class. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the Unfuck your biz podcast. As always, this is your host, Brayden. And today I'm very excited because I am joined by one of my good industry friends, Ashley Ebert who's the owner of the Simply Elegant Group, which is one of the largest wedding and event planning companies with nine locations and 40 team members here in the lovely United States. And Ashley is also the owner of the Abundance Group, which is an education-based company for creatives. Ashley, how's it going?
1: I am good. I'm excited. I always love hanging out with you and your content because we get to like get into the good nitty gritty stuff. So I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Same. I always like to hang out and like talk about stuff because Ashley, although you're not like a fellow, like legal nerd, like myself, I know that you take these topics like very seriously in your own business Mm -hmm. and you have your shit together, which is why we invited you to come on to talk about hiring.
1: Yeah, I mostly have my shit together. But, you know. <laughs> well, in the, like in the areas where
0: it's pertinent to this conversation. Yeah. Right?
1: yeah. Don't see the chaos in my three year old flying around out there. But, you know, well, your right video there. backdrop
0: looks, looks. Lovely, oh, thanks.
1: So. Yes. The yeah. book, I read all those books. Those are legit. Yes.
0: I don't, I do not have any children, but I am probably going to have to go out into our like back patio here and clean up dog poops after but this you know, interview. This is so.
1: different kind of kids.
0: Different yes. Kids. Different kind of chaos. <laughs> all right. So let's talk a little bit more about your business. First, let me set the stage. So what we're going to talk about here is getting started with building a team. So specifically employees. So all of you that are tuning in, um, we're in the middle of what I'm calling my hiring series. We started out with the whole like Can you have contractors? Do you need employees? If you need contractors, how do you onboard those? And if you determine that you can't have contractors, you need to have employees. Ashley's going to talk to us about it. But Ashley, I'm also going to lean on you to do a little bit of pitching on, like, just because you're not legally required to have employees, here's why it's still a good Mm, idea. Like, you still might want to do it to build your business, Mm -hmm. right? But before we get there, tell everyone a little bit more about your business slash businesses and what you got going on.
1: Yeah, so I started in the business world uh, when I was uh, 23 and thought I knew everything. So it quickly fell apart. No, I uh, I started in the planning world. Um, I wasn't a photographer or a florist or anything like that. I uh, loved people and I loved problem solving. So um, I found my place as a wedding planner. Um, the other thing I always mention. Um, my, my, ace in my back pocket is actually my dad, Dale. Um, he is a leadership and team development coach in the corporate, in the corporate world. So he's worked with fortune 500 companies from around the world. So of course, when I was 23, I had quite a bit of influence from him. So when I started my business, I was always thinking about my business as an asset. It wasn't a hobby-based business. It was something I did want to grow. Now I will say, I didn't think it was going to be nine locations in a team of 40, but I did think that I was going to potentially want the opportunity to bring on people. Um, So although that's part of my story, a lot of people we work with, um, you know, again, at the abundance group, that's not how they started. They really fell into it and they want to start to get intentional. Um, But then from there, I mean, I've had contractors. um, I now have employees. I have salaried employees. I have um, part-time employees. Um, And it's been something, honestly, and this is going to sound, for those of you that have like hung out with me at all, I say this all the time, like the greatest joy of my career was building my team. One, because it freed up my time to do what I really love to do, but also to watch my team flourish and to build something that's bigger than myself feels so incredible. So that's really kind of the heart of where I came from. And kind of where we're at now, and like I say, we, you know, we have a very large team of, of wedding planners in the U.S. here, and um, it's something that it's different work. You know, I just hopped off another call with our with our some of our students, and it's just different work when you build a team. Um, but I feel so, it's so valuable. The work is so valuable that we do when we build a team.
0: When did you so? You started your business when you were twenty three. How yeah. long were you in business before you hired your first employee?
1: About six months. <laughs> we Six literally, months. yeah, because I, the thing for me, right, is I didn't want to give up double booking dates. So once I started to have the demand, I wanted to figure out a solution. I wanted to figure out a way that my company could serve those couples and not say no. Um, and I was like, okay, how do I do this? And that's actually where the contractor hack came in. this decades ago when I was 23. And let me tell you, I probably did everything wrong, but just straight up, <laughs> Um, and, um, I had a, a friend that worked for me. It was very like a one-off and then she rocked it. And I was like, cool. You want to come back some more? And like, it was kind of that, you know, the evolution there, but again, like I never named the company after myself because it was always going to be bigger than me. Um, so it's always been simply elegant, right? It's not, it's not, you know, Ashley and photography, um, which I see some people get into that problem with, Which again, we have solutions around, but, um, so for me, it was always bigger than that. So we actually. Um, we're able to do that pretty quickly once we really had the demand of double booking dates.
0: Do you, like, do you think like having dad around kind of like emotionally prepared you and pre-sold you on that idea like early on so that you were oh, able to make the leap earlier?
1: Thousand percent, of course. He, he always drops things in front of me like four years. He's like, hey Ash, um, you know, the, the, another integral time he did this, he was talking to me about basically prepping me to go multi-market. He said, Ashley, you're not a wedding planner. You're an entrepreneur. And I said, that's funny. No, I'm a wedding planner. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I was so thick in the work of like client stuff, client mm-hmm. issues, conflict management, problems, all the things um, that I was like I, there's, like, I don't think of myself as a small business owner. I'm a wedding planner. Um, and lo and behold, um, you know, I haven't personally been a wedding in about five years. So You <laughs> know what he was talking about? You know, and then he, he planted the seed a couple of years ago of like, you're going to go international. And I was like, that's not happening. <laughs> so we'll see. To come, I'm sure. Um, yeah, Brad, I, he I, always I, does that
0: me. I like that journey for you. That's that sounds like it could be really fun. So yeah, you and Dale, <laughs> yeah, me, me and Dale can connect on this. I think Dale and I are kindred spirits when it comes oh, to know, the systems. Right. So the reason why I asked that question is, I'm I'm assuming, and I would love your insights, is because you have a program where you're helping your students. I'm assuming you are helping students yeah. build their team, and we're going to talk more about that program. But do you see well? I'm assuming once people join your program, they're already sold on hiring employees. But what's yeah. the like the pre-selling process like? Like, do you have a lot of people who can afford it? Like it's not really an issue, but they're still really resistant, or what does that yeah.
1: look like? Great question. So there's a couple of mindset in, in every in every buying decision or in any big change, right? We always have mindset hurdles. So the the ones that like, I'm sure somebody hanging out and listening to this right now feels this way. Like I wouldn't be a good leader. Um, It's really expensive to onboard a team. Um, You know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to be a boss. I don't want to be a manager. Um, And these are all complete mindset blocks Mm -hmm. to, for for me, honestly, and I just, because I've lived it and I know there's passive income on products and things like that. But I believe that building a team is the only true way to stop trading time for money and, and take off the burden of everyday business decision-making. And again, there's passive products, but you're still having to do a lot of work. Like, let's all be honest, like you don't just like, create a course and then go to sleep and you wake up a millionaire. Like there's so, many, there's so many components to it. You're still in charge for, but when you build a team, someone else is making decisions and doing work on your behalf, that's magical. Mm -hmm. It is magical when you trust and have team members that love your business and love your vision. And I know like, you know, in Simply Elegant, uh, my manager director, her name is Lindsay Mackey. She's like one of my favorite human beings on the planet. She is such a powerhouse. She is so smart, so good with people. And I trust her to make decisions. And that is such a cool thing to go be on vacation for two weeks and just know that anything that comes up, she's got it and it's fine. And you can't do that without surrounding yourself with, with a team. All those emails are just sitting in your inbox. You're gonna have to deal with them later. Um, So there's something magical in that. And I think the mindset block of like, I'm, I'm not a good leader. Well, first of all, spoiler alert, leadership is a skill It's not a personality characteristic. Not all extroverts are like awesome leaders. Like that's not how that works. Um, So it's just a skill to learn it and there's principles around what it is but also, you know, uh, costly. Well, if you know your numbers, which Braden obviously you teach everybody about, like once you're armed with that knowledge, you're going to see it actually is something that you can evolve. You don't have to hire a hundred thousand dollars salaried person and offer them all the benefits in the world just to start a team. Like it, it doesn't start that way unless you have a lot of capital and that's how you want to spend it. Um, but a lot of the, like I say, people in our, that participated in our intensives, like their mom and pop shops they're booking they want to double book dates but they're kind of like how do i how do i take advantage and and have this opportunity not just pass me by um and really when we can kind of put those to rest that you know again i won't be a good leader i can't afford it um i don't even want to deal with people (laughs) like you know when you can put those things aside really, I say, you know, the, the, the ceiling just blows off the potential for your business. Because when you're starting to build team members, and build processes in place, it exponentially adds value to your organization. Because for every hour, you're, you know, spending building your SOPs or hiring a person, that's going to pay dividends for you in the future. So um, I'm sure you can tell I'm a little passionate. <laughs> just, your just a little it's bit so true it's so true so, it's given me the life that i love and that's the thing of like my husband stays at home with our daughter i get to work when i want i go back and forth between in my office and go and hang out with them like I, I just want that for everybody like i want you to have the life you want and i think team is such a it feels like such a big scary step but it's really not it really really isn't it's something that's attainable for probably almost everybody listening today
0: yeah I I have so many follow up questions on like obje- like on objections specifically mindset yeah. obje- objections we'll probably we'll probably sprinkle those in let's circle back to a few yeah. what mm-hmm. i am curious and you you started alluding to this is specifically Like, how do you know when it's time to hire? What are the telltale signs? And even more specifically, like, I don't want to get too into the weeds with like dicking around with contractors because I already talk about all that all the time. And
1: I ain't going to talk about it because I know I know smart people that talk about that better than I do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: So let's assume that some of our listeners maybe already have contractors. Like they've hired a VA, they've hired, you know, they have day of assistance, whatever. Mm -hmm. But what are the signals? When is the universe? What, do, what does it look like when the universe is starting to tell them like, hey girl, it's maybe time to hire your first yeah, employee. Yeah,
1: you some help. Um, this is a really great question. I literally, we just talked about this. I hopped off a call with our intensive group and hopped onto this. We were talking about this idea of like, don't wait until you are 100% booked because now you actually don't have time in your life to hire and onboard well. Right. It's, it's, it's not too late, but it's way harder. It's way harder to do it when you're at max capacity. So we say a sweet spot, and and I'm all about tangibles and like real world applications of things. So looking at your calendar, if you're sitting at 75%, 80%, like let's start thinking about what it would look like to build a team. I don't want you to sit and I'm overbooked and overwhelmed and now I'm trying to onboard this new human being in in my organization, again, I have done it. I have done it that way. Like it works. You can do it. It's just a lot more stressful. So if we can be a little bit more proactive and, and, and be closer to that 75% mark, that's going to give you a little bit better balance. And probably you're going to hire better because you're going to have bandwidth in your mind to mm-hmm. ask the right questions, to be, give energy to the hiring process. You're going to be able to train an onboard better and have time to do that. So that's kind of our rule of thumb. And like I say, literally, we were just talking about that in our, our intent. So,
0: if we take a step back from that, I'm assuming that you need to know, like, to know when you're 80% booked, like you first have to know, like, how many, if you're an event professional, how many events you want to take per year, right?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, do most of the people you work with, like, they already have that, like, they already have that figured out, I would kind of assume by the time they're yeah. starting to think I about think- employees?
1: Yeah. I mean, the first couple of years, you're kind of trying to figure out what's your capacity, how much money do I really need? (laughs) Like, you know, will I take this 40th wedding because I need to pay my rent? Yeah. Like, right. We figure that out, but I think organically, a lot of pros kind of understand where their balance is. Um, And again, you know, my experience, my team's experience, you know, again, we're planners, we can usually balance 20 to 25 weddings a year and feel, feel pretty, that's a good place to be in anything over in that teetering into the 30, 35, we start, it starts to get like a lot of work on the planner's plate. Mm-hmm. Now I've heard photographers that can rock and roll with 40 to 50 weddings. Um, so really knowing where you land in that, I think is good. But just for some, like I say, numbers or figures within my organization, that's something that's good. So again, if you have 15 or 20 weddings on your books, let's start thinking about it. Let's start thinking about how a team could, could help your bottom line.
0: Yeah. I had a photography student who shot 54 weddings in 2019. And I was oh like, okay, gosh. why don't you have an assistant? <laughs> assist-
1: <laughs> Let me get you help.
0: A, a whole because the great thing
1: is you can, you can send someone else to that wedding and still make money on it. Y'all. Yeah. Like that's magical. That's awesome. And yeah, they're I think making it's money. Like- which Another one of those too.
0: mindset blocks is a lot of it, and this I think maybe more so for photographers, but definitely everyone in the creative space is like, "This is my creative art, and no one else can do it like I can." We could mm-hmm. talk oh, about I don't that. trust anybody
1: with my brand. Oh, yeah. I've never heard that one, Brandon. Never heard oh, that one. That could it,
0: be a whole episode, but
1: I totally could. Totally. I do want
0: to also just talk for a minute about determining this. Okay, I'm at eighty percent capacity. It's time for me to think about hiring. Mm-hmm. What would you tell to someone that's not in the event space? So someone like a graphic Mm. designer, right? You're not looking at like event, you're not looking at days. So it's a little bit more amorphous to figure out what your 80% capacity is.
1: I still feel like you're going to have a good idea of client load. So if you have like retainer clients that you know, you know, you really need like four a month to feel good. And then you pepper in some one-off contracts, like you're kind of going to know your capacity And here's the other thing, this is a little like nerdy and technical, but like document your hours. How much are you working on client work? How much are you working on in your business? And I mean, I have worked hundred hour work weeks. Now I am a recovering alcoholic, (laughs) so like a recovering workaholic. And it's that idea of like, how do you, how do you balance this job you love so much? And really, when do I outsource? And how, like you said, do I trust the brand with somebody else? But you have to think about prolonged um, work at that level. Like if I was working 100 hour work weeks for 10 years, I would be like, nope, sorry, corporate job, bye. Like I can't do it for a season, for a season for probably 18 months longer than I should have. Cause again, uh, workaholic, like I could do that. My capacity was there. But I think if you're kind of completely unaware just start documenting your hours. And it doesn't have to be really like time consuming to do it, but just, just watch yourself. Like how much are you actually working in your office, out in client meetings, whatever. Um, and if you have a lot of work and you want less work, that's a great place to get to <laughs> hire people. And here's the thing is if you're working a lot, assumingly you're, you're making money as you're doing client work. So, um, you know, the more work you have, the more money you're making, um, if you're working on client facing work. So again, I think that's a really good way to just gauge it, which again, some, some entrepreneurs like have just have no idea how much time they're working. So it's a good practice to have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you you know, you gotta just have that moment where you're going to sit down and think about what are my packages? What am I charging? Mm-hmm. how much am I working? All that kind of stuff. So yeah. threshold issue there for us folks.
1: Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm.
0: Ashley. So you've done that. You've, you've kind of determined, you know, I think I'm ready to hire or I'm not ready. I'm not emotionally ready to hire, but based yeah. on Ashley, Ashley's guidance, I know that I probably should be looking into hiring. Yeah. Let's talk about, let's talk about money. Like mm-hmm. how often do you see people who are at that 80% capacity, Mm-hmm. Um, but are really freaked out about the money, either justifiably so, or it's like a mindset issue. So I think we have people who can definitely afford it. They're afraid. But then we mm-hmm. do you also have people who are not running like good enough profit in their business to be where they need to be to start yeah, to hire.
1: That's a great question. Um, and, and, and one of the, the things that we have, you know, very baseline they're doing is they're doing some level of financial forecasting. So you're understanding, and it was, you know, right. Okay. So I'm in the wedding world. 2020 was a hell of a year for us. Everybody, we're still alive. (laughs) Thank God, like we made it. Um, But it, you know, you can't really financially forecast with that in the mix. So you're, you're doing some level of, and again, Brayden, I'm sure you cover this in much more detail um, in your, in your Facebook group and and in your courses, but you're doing some level of understanding where the business is going to be in a year, you know, two years, whatever you're gonna look at what you've done in the past, what your you know inquiries, what your marketing, what your lead gen is. There are certain KPIs or key performance indicators you can be watching in your business that will give you an indication of growth. And those are the things we're looking for. And again, honestly, those are obviously tied to, to profitability and, and money. But um, there's definitely people where if you're not charging enough, it becomes pretty apparent that if you if you if you're charging five hundred dollars for the wedding and you have to pay somebody four hundred dollars and the you know cost per acquisition of the client is two hundred dollars, like that's that's not good math. That's not going to work for you.
0: Would um, you? So- would you agree with the following statement that if someone is already at eighty percent capacity and they literally can't afford to hire an employee, then there's something off with their numbers?
1: Yes, I would agree with that. Absolutely. So
0: they probably are either need to be charging more or or spending less.
1: Yeah, or just you know, look at your time. Where is your where are you really spending your time, and is it what your client actually needs? Because and there's some learning we do when we're all no, new entrepreneurs and we're learning how to build a timeline or create a graphic design or create a logo like you get more and more efficient with your skill set over time but if literally you know you're saying okay again I'm charging 500 bucks it's taking me you know 40 hours to do this you can't (laughs) that's not duplicatable so we either need to evaluate one side of the equation the time I'm investing or the money that I'm charging
0: yeah. Like stop charging $50 for like portrait sessions, photographers. Yeah. A
1: little yeah. bit. Yeah. I mean, you can do that if you want to burn yourself out quickly and not ever, you know, remove yourself from the business. Cause you just can't, you know, again, you can't, you can't pay someone $60 for a $50 contract. Like it just, you everybody knows in theory that doesn't work. So how right. do we, how do we do that? And again, sometimes it's a marketing, like I always say, you know, there's a, there's a lot of conversation of like just raise your rates and I'm like that's great if you know if you're in a place where your business can withstand raising your rates that's great the one thing to think about is there's often a little bit of a lag in the market because when you're when you're when you're making that price increase 20% whatever your your marketing to that ideal client has to pivot and kind of shift over time with it too and it takes a little bit for the market to catch up sometimes so just be cognizant of that so if you are raising your rates, it may take you a little while to there's your clients and your market to kind of catch up to where your rates are. And that's okay. That's, that happens. Um, but again, this is the evolution and being strategic in business. of what are our goals? What do we really want? Um, that's the beauty in entrepreneurship. We get to create our life. We get to create every moment of our life. Nobody tells us what to do or when to do it. So just make sure that you're doing the things you really want to do. And again, if that is building a team that we're creating that structure or that trajectory within our, our overall path.
0: Yeah. When it actually, when it comes to pricing, I think you'll kind of like this analogy or this story. I, I've talked to some of my students about how my husband took me to like a very, very fancy restaurant for my 30th birthday where we, we were in New York city. It's like $800 per person. It's something mm-hmm. that you do like, you know, once in a lifetime or once in a yeah. decade. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: And we're there at this restaurant, like nine courses, wine, the whole thing. And I feel like part of me feels like uncomfortable and out of place. Like I don't belong here. I'm like looking Let's around mean, at everyone those and,
1: places. So like, right? yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm looking around and I'm just assuming, like, I'm just assuming that everyone around here, like comes here for Friday dinner every yeah, week, when in reality <laughs> it could be their once in a lifetime, like dinner, right? <laughs> And I think that actually, I think we actually do that sometimes in our pricing. It's like, if you raise your prices too quickly, you actually can get uncomfortable with like the level that you're operating at. And it does take some time to adjust for sure. Yeah. It's
1: that confidence, building your own confidence about like what you're selling. So perfect example of this is when I onboarded uh, employees, I raised my rates significantly. It was time in my business. It was it, kind of all of those shifts were happening at the same time. And I raised my rates about 20%. And I was terrified. <laughs> terrified. And like, you just, you have to know that the worth of yourself, your organization, your team, your experience, all the things that makes your business valuable, like you do, you have to recalibrate a little bit. And that just takes practice. So like do you I say- think-
0: do, do you think that affected your, I'll say like performance for lack of a better term on when it came to like your sales calls, like for a little bit,
1: you know, gosh, probably because <laughs> I mean it was so long ago, honestly. Um, but I think it's kind I, of like
0: you power through, right. It's like maybe for like one or two months, my can like my conversion rates are going to dip 10%, but that's yeah. okay. Like we're going to work through it.
1: I mean, there are people that sell five figure photography, wedding planning packages. And here's the thing. Like for me, my team is incredible. The Mm -hmm. experience my team creates is incredible. Our start price is not five figures. (laughs) Being able to say like, there's people out there that just own it and charge it. Now they have to, you know, actually deliver what they're telling the clients. Otherwise there's a, a pattern disrupt and social proof falls through. We don't get the reviews, all of that, right? Like you have to be able to deliver, but really the sales process it is, really being confident and understanding that what you're saying the value of your services is, is actually what you can provide for them. So yeah, I mean, all of us, right? We all evolve, like nobody, nobody, you know, podcast hosts, guests on podcasts, seven figure business. Like we all don't know what we're doing. We're just like trying to help each other out and, you know, explain stuff. Like we screw up too. And we have these moments where we're like, did I just do that right? Or Wow, that really failed. Um, but I think the part is, is you're of uh, the 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 thing where the rubber meets the road for entrepreneurs is that you're willing to fail often, fail hard, but you're always going to get back up. You're always going to build that confidence. So if you are seeing, hey, okay, I raised my rates twenty percent, my conversion rates are off, the product is phenomenal, the team is great that's a me issue. Okay. Mm-hmm. How can I pour into that? And what can I do? So that's really like, how are we moving the needle forward and owning that? And again, in control uh, of what we build our business to be.
0: Beautiful. Okay. So let's circle back for a quick minute and talk about on the topic of money, right? Yeah. What from your experience is like the actual cost of hiring an employee? Like if someone wants to hire an employee, <laughs> what's it going to cost them to do that?
1: Yeah. And here's the thing, like, um, there's like, you know, right, all the taxes and, you know, seven and a half percent and all that stuff. And we can go and I have lists for that. If y'all want to come find me, I'll give you the lists. But really, it's about, yes, that's important. And, and, and the thing that I think people get caught up in is there's a lot of costs to an employee, right, their wages any uh, taxes that we have, any additional added costs to the business, like a payroll company or new softwares you have to have. There are a lot of costs, but again, back to pricing, it's not going to be more expensive than not having a team because your profits that you have, when you can double book a date, right? You have twice the revenue. Mm-hmm. If you can do two of the exact same weddings, whereas you couldn't before, right? The costs that you have aren't going to incur more than you're going to bring in revenue. So I don't want people to get caught up up in saying like, oh my gosh, it's so expensive to have an employee. There are costs associated with it, but it doesn't have to be extremely costly. (laughs) If that makes sense. Yeah, I like it.
0: I like to get in, I, I mostly like to get into the cost so that like yeah. people can start to imagine what their ROI is actually going to be, right? Yeah. So
1: mm-hmm.
0: what I've often heard, and I, this is more or less true from what I've seen, but it's going to vary based on a lot of factors, but mm-hmm. typically from my experience, it's going to cost you 20 to 30% more to have an employee rather than a contractor. Do you think that's and the,
1: yeah, about I'm correct? Gonna- yeah, I'm going to push back a little bit there okay. just because we're, we're friends and we can. I think really you're going to pay a contractor significantly more for their work because essentially they would own their own business. and They'd have more experience and expertise. An employee, you're able to pay them less per hour and probably yeah. significantly less per hour because you're training them. You're providing consistency for them in whatever fashion that you have an agreed upon arrangement, again, if that's salary, that they're going to have 40 hours of work and they're going to get paid for that. Um, for a part-time or a seasonal employee, right? That this is the scope of work. Um, this is what I'm, I'm essentially taking the risk as the, as the employer to guarantee you essentially, like, right, you're going to have this work during holiday season or you're going to be able to do 20 weddings a year or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you should be able to pay significantly less. And again, not that you're not valuing your employee, but that you're you're giving them other benefits like security, yes. like um again, paid time off and and negotiating benefits is kind of a whole again, we could do another another episode on that. But <laughs> so I don't think it necessarily has to be that employers, uh employees at the end of the day are 20 to 30 percent more costly.
0: Yeah. Thought, I like that. I like that. That's an thought. important, it's an important to note because it's an important thing to note because to bring this kind of full circle, what I'll tell people is when you pay their taxes and all these kind of things, assuming yeah. that you're going to pay an employee and a contractor the same amount per hour, yes. the employee is going to cost you about 20% more. So example, totally. if you were paying a contractor $50 an hour, it's going to end up costing you 60 to $65 an hour after you pay for their benefits. Right. So what do you do? This gets to what you were just, what Ashley was just mentioning yep. is instead let's pay them $40 an hour. Mm-hmm. But when you go to hire them, you need to explain to them why, well, I mean, you might not really need to sell them on it, but if they yeah. ask questions, these are all the benefits that you're getting, right? Yep. So absolutely. I think that's a really good point, though, is that the, the end of the day is, again, all circling back to if you know your numbers, it doesn't mm-hmm. need to cost you more. And also, you can derive a lot more value out of an employee than you can a contractor, which is harder, harder to track on a spreadsheet for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'll say too, you know, especially in the creative entrepreneur space, that consistency is craved by people in the creative community. If you are guaranteed work, like we've had people that have closed their small business, their wedding planning company and came and worked for us because the consistency was so valuable to them. Mm -hmm. And we were happy to provide that. And it worked well for them. And again, you're not like telling them you're gonna pay them a certain amount and then like bamboozling them when they like get their (laughs) paycheck. Like, of course you're very like clear of like, this is what we can offer for compensation. Um, but again, you should, like, I should assume I'm going to pay more for a contractor because they're more experienced, they have all the overhead, they're going to have probably been in the game longer, I know that I'm going to have less risk with a contractor, in, theoretically, and if all things generalized, because they, they do this for a living. But as an employee, I'm probably going to have to groom and train. I'm probably going to have to also say, I'm I'm going to have to make some concessions. I'm going to have to be more agile and more mobile because I'm going to want them to stay for a long time. Um, So again, the trade-off there monetarily, um, I think if you, if you're intentional and strategic employees don't have to cost more money, they have more costs associated with them. Again, like employer tax and things like that. But when you know what those are, you can, you can, um, you know, rectify that or kind of balance that out.
0: Okay, so let's assume someone sold now on hiring their employee. Yeah. What's, the, what's the process like? So I want to start by talking about like the boring process, the process yeah. people expect to hear on Unfuck Your Biz. So mm-hmm. legal and tax process, do they need to hire, from your experience, do you think mm-hmm. they need to hire an employment attorney? Is it easy to do just through a payroll company? How yeah. do your students manage the paperwork? I'm going to call it the paperwork problem with hiring.
1: Yeah. So great question. So we, there's a couple like principles we operate within at the abundance group. And one is that every business is different. Every business owner is different and, and they have different things that keep them awake at night. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, You know, for example, if, if the whole independent contractor versus employee debate keeps you up at night, just hire an employee, like let's be done with it. Then, you know, check box. But if you're not as worried about it, or, you know, again, we just all care about different things so if for your business you really want to make sure it, it it makes your heart happy when you have ironclad contracts spend the capital to do that work with someone local in your in your area that knows your employment law in your state because i'm right, they differ state to state um and they actually differ city you know locally to state to federal um and we won't get into that because that's you know, for another episode. But, but if that's what keeps you awake at night, let's mitigate that and let's work with someone that can really um, go through that with a fine tube comb, create exactly what you want. Now, obviously you can buy templates, if, if that's not as big of a concern and, you know, you want to buy a template and then have a, a local attorney look at it, so more cost-effective way. Um, and I, I mean, I, I always think whenever you're onboarding a team, contractor employee expectations and having accountabilities is really important so this when you're onboarding that's where documentation like an employee handbook all the you know things that you're talking about I think are really important and really so everybody understands the agreement in which they are entering into and what this job should be won't be Um, and again, kind of that, that understanding is, is set on the outset of the relationship. So from that, I think there's, again, a different way. And it's all about what you feel as a business owner will help you lay your head on your pillow at night and feel good (laughs) about, you know, what you've built, but there's a bunch of different ways to do it. I mean, um, I think at least having something outlined, um, now I personally, I'm more on the side of, I have a big organization, so I'm open to a lot of risk. Mm-hmm. So I need to be a bit more protective of the assets of what we've built. We have more to lose. Right. right. Um, I know people that don't have anything in writing and they do what they want. And it's so wow, wow, west. like I don't, Agree with that personally, but <laughs> has it been done ever? Yeah, probably. You know, like yeah, people do it. Um, but again, personal preference, and I'm sure yours too, Braden.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I always find with employ like with employment law. I mean, this is true for every area. It's just there's some areas where I'm more knowledgeable and more confident. So I can tell people with absolute certainty and clarity what they need. Mm-hmm. Employment law is one of these areas though where it's really hard to decipher between w- the things that you legally have to do and the things that are just like an industry like good idea, like an employee right. hand book is a great example. Like yeah. do we have to have that is it just a good idea? It's kind of kind of a gray area. Really it's yeah. like a helpful well, the, tool.
1: The other thing we talk a lot about and we talk about this in in legal and in like finance and CPA and taxes and all that stuff. This idea of operating in good faith. Like at the end of the day, I promise there's things I'm not doing perfectly. Right. Like right now currently in my big business that I have, like I'm probably there's probably things I am not doing perfectly by the book as you know, again, like city laws change. I have nine locations. Like I'm doing my very best and I'm very knowledgeable about things, but at some, at some piece of this, we have to take action. And if we're completely paralyzed by making the decision, we're actually not moving the needle in our business. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, and again, I surround ourselves with you, Braden, other lawyer friends, other CPAs that kind of have this belief that if you're really doing your best and you're being intentional about it, trust and believe and like have faith in yourself and this idea of, yeah, I'm operating in good faith. Like I am not doing anything morally corrupt. I am not not paying attention to that law because I don't want to. Like if you're operating in a space where you're truly trying to do your very best, you're going to be okay. Like, we're going to figure it out.
0: Yeah. What you're like with your, when you teach about good faith, like legally, what you're really get into, getting into is the difference between like negligence and fraud. Like, and fraud. yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're not being fraud, if you're not being like, you're not going to keep yourself totally out of hot water just by not being fraudulent, but you're going to keep yourself right. out of like the big, steep penalties. Right. Yeah. It's, A slap on the wrist versus like, you know, the scary stuff.
1: Yeah. And Um, again, uh, speaking to a lawyer and saying that is rather ballsy on my end, like, you know, hey, do what you want. But it is that idea of like, I think so much, and I'm sure your community, Brayden. it's like, we get in these moments where like, we just sit in the fear of like making the wrong decision. And that is the worst version of what the future looks like, where you just don't even take on the opportunity because you're so afraid of the decision you're going to make. And again, I think you part of good faith is like, you surround yourself with good people. You have good advisors that are pouring into your business to help you get good advice. Like there's a a responsibility we have in that.
0: Mm -hmm. But I
1: also think like it's a worse tragedy for me that people won't build teams because they're afraid they're going to do it wrong when they could have a seven figure business and could do what they really wanted to do, but they won't even open that door because of that. So you you have that too. Our
0: cautionary tale to everyone is don't get stuck procrastinating researching. That's what I call it.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because by the time you make a decision, the law changed already anyway, let's be honest.
0: Yes. All right. So kind of the the last topic I want to, I want to talk about on the podcast here today is what does the process look like once you've actually made the hire? So you've gone through all the paperwork and I'm sure that you probably have a whole step-by-step system that you teach your Mm -hmm. students. Yeah. Um, But just broad outline, like how do you get them up to speed and trained to do their job like under your brand?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's, you can have SOPs or standard operating procedures that are really uh, particular, robust, if that's part of your culture. Uh, If you're more of an analytical mind and you hire on analytical people, that can be a good way to equip them well if you want to build your sops as you go like you can do that too like y- there's no wrong way to build what your your there's no wrong way to build your business right um but really it's this idea of like you want to have a certain level of expectation set out on front you want to um have consistent communication especially in the beginning stages. So again, let's say you're hiring um, in my world, in the wedding world, let's say you're hiring on another lead planner for um, peak season. You're gonna give them 10 weddings that they're gonna execute between May and November. the first couple of months, the first couple of timeline meetings, the first couple of vendor meetings, maybe you're having more consistent conversation and you're, you're checking in with them. Are they equipped with what they need? How is the like environment? How is, are, are we playing to your strengths? How's everything going? But then after a while, that trust is being built and you don't have to do those check-ins all the time. So really it's about equipping expectation setting um, and then just having that open communication. So you can really, like I say, Now at Simply Elegant, we have a really robust, our our planners, however long they've been in the industry, they go through a 40-hour training program online. Um, And that that teaches them the Simply Elegant way to plan. Because again, I've onboarded other planners that just plan differently from us. If we're giving a brand experience, like I want them to understand how we write emails, what language we use, things like that. Um, You don't have to be like I, in the intensive, I literally show everybody, like, here's my stuff, like behind the curtain, here are all my SOPs, here's what it looks like, you see everything. And it doesn't, it took me five years to build that, mm-hmm. like it didn't happen overnight. Um, and it can be that sophisticated, but it also doesn't have to be. It's really about how do I convey the information for the person doing the job so they can understand what I need and perform it well. Um, I've had people in our, in our program that built their SOPs as they onboarded somebody, they literally Zoom recorded their training. That was their SOP. So then they only had to do that once, which I, thought was, I think that's such a great idea. Um, and they had their, um, another person I was just talking to yesterday on a call um, was having part of their, on, the person they were onboarding, their, their job was to write out and dictate what they were doing. <laughs> so it was like, this is how I post on social media. This is how I hashtag strategy. This is how I find this. And they literally built their SOP because they were articulating how they were doing the work. Yeah, that's um, what, I, so, that's what yeah. I have
0: my virtual assistants do. If I don't already have a standard operating procedure, yeah. part of their job is to this create one. Them. And yeah. then I tell them, write an outline for now, because yeah. over the next three months, you're going to find more efficient ways to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Once you feel like you found the, the most efficient way to do it, then create a very detailed standard operating procedure on it. Yep. Um, yeah, and again,
1: that's your way to do it. And if that, that works for your business, that's, yes. that's exactly the point. Yeah, I think that
0: I think the whole like considering what's gonna work for you, obviously, it's the most important part. Some people, like it sounds like you, Ashley, are mm-hmm. very, very detail oriented. Mm-hmm. What I found for me is I really enjoy making SOPs. I like creating processes, but I'm very bad at maintaining them. So mm-hmm. what that leads to is a tendency to create over complication, just as like mm-hmm. a fun thing to do. Yeah. Um. But I've had to learn to really strip it down and streamline it because. Yeah. I need fewer processes for me in order to manage them until I can hire an integrator or someone who is more detail oriented to right. create more detailed soPs next yeah week.
1: and that's just a team that builds your team now we're getting right on which is great <laughs> <That's the real laughs> yeah, role, I need I'll a team
0: <laughs> I need a team to build my team we were talking about leadership earlier and that's actually something I've been um I haven't any like I have two Enneagram coaches they're really like yeah. life coaches business coaches. But we talk about it through the lens of the Enneagram. And leadership is something that we've talked about a lot because I have my own mindset bullshit about that. Like, I'm a terrible leader because I'm not detail-oriented. And they're like, well, you can hire people who can do that. Right. Mm -hmm. It's just your job to set expectations, know your own strengths and weaknesses.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm.
0: Beautiful. All right, Ashley. So, this has been such a fantastic episode. Thanks so much for sharing all of your wisdom with us. Of course. I want you to tell my audience a little bit more about your program. I know that you just, I think you said you wrapped up a a beta version of this program, but tell us like what you have going on.
1: Yeah. Well, it's funny. We took a big, um, we just listen, like at the Abundance Group, we listen to the community, we listen to uh, what people are challenged with. Um, and the thing that came out of, of 2020 was one that was a cash flow year problem, right? Like we just all of a sudden couldn't work. Um, but we knew, and, w- and that problem like just uh, appeared, like we didn't have any foresight that that was going to happen, right? I didn't have a, I was just like I didn't have a pandemic plan in my employee handbook. I don't know if anybody else did here, but. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, no standard operating procedure. No, no SOP
1: around that. We didn't have any, um, you know, ways that we know. And so the thing with that is like, you know, the power of where we're at now you know, as we're recording this in, in, in May, in the spring, summer of 2021, we know our next challenge in the wedding world and in a lot of our world, is because we got a lot of that work that kind of stopped, but it's gonna start up again. Like we're gonna have this wave, businesses are gonna start, like we're gonna get back to life. And I think the thing is, we know the next problem on our docket is time. Time is gonna be the problem. Like how am I gonna execute these many, this many contracts? Am I gonna onboard this many new clients? Um, and so for us, it was like, man, a no brainer that again, we don't want you to be at your hundred percent. We want you to get your 80%. So that's where dad and I were like, we need to, we need to build a program. And I think the thing about in, because building your team is such a big sensitive topic and it's hard and there's a lot of mindset issues around it. We didn't want to just build a course and then go like, have that one, you know, you have it when you can. And then there's no one-on-one conversation back and forth. So what we built instead, it's actually a 12 week intensive, think about like a mastermind where you go through the program in these in these 12 weeks with um, other people, but then you also get one-on-one coaching. There should be one-on-one coaching in the program. So um, like the first week is mindset. The second week we bring in our, our legal panel and Braden was on that for us, um, where we talk all about mostly independent contractor versus employee and contracts and all that good stuff. Next week, we talk about team structure. Then we go into like, where do you find people? Like, how do you actually find and hire talents? Then we talk about onboarding them. Uh, We talk about affordability. We talk about, like I say, all these different things. And we really lock in And for the last three weeks. We talk about leadership and how to refine your leadership skill set. We talk about care versus candor. Uh, We talk about in hiring, like the, you know, we teach the three C's. Um, so it's all about how we can bring these components together to hire a really great person. Because if we hire a great person, it makes the process so much easier. If we hire the wrong person, it be, that's where it becomes clunky. Like let's let's avoid, you know avoid that. Um, so we teach things like that, and then again in leadership, we teach um, how everybody can refine their leadership skills. Introvert, extrovert. Um, you know, analytical mind versus creative dreamer. Like we all can be fantastic leaders and we all have different things um, that we can work on. Um, And it's a lot around communication. It's a lot about, um, you know, the balance between, I call it friendly, but firm, like how do you find that sweet spot? Um, And, and having difficult conversations, conflict management, like we uh-huh. teach on all of those things. And the great part is, again, you're going through in a group setting, a live teaching, so we actually teach live. And you're in the chat, people light up our Zooms, which we love, and we go back and forth between teaching and questions. Um, and then you also have uh, one-on-one coaching. So throughout the program, you have a coaching call where you can use in the beginning of the program, the middle of the program, the end of the program, whatever it fits your business best. Um, and then also the program you get, I think we keep adding more, but- <laughs> <laughs> Cause we keep trying to like figure out exactly. So we have like, I think it's like 30 or 40 different tools. So these are like checklists, like you talked about um, templates, email templates. My dad wrote, he always says like, this is so silly that I love this so much, but he wrote, uh, we hired at the abundance group, like we're hiring the team. And um, we, we had a hire where we we're trying to decide between two candidates. So we like, we really liked both of them, but inevitably we decided to go with the candidate we hired and we adore her and she's a perfect fit for us there was another gal who really loved and it was really hard for us to say like, sorry, but we went a different direction. And my dad, for those of you that are my dad, my dad is like whip smart, but like just a, like a sweet pop of their dad. Like he's so nice and so kind. And he was like, I have to write this email. Like, what do I like? I, I don't want to write this. Like no one wants, even if you've done it forever, you don't want to write it. But he wrote the most beautiful email to her and talked about Highlighted her strengths and just why we went in a different direction. It was like every person who's ever been told no wanted to get this email. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I said, "Do well, you think she'll write back?" And he's like, "No, of course you're not gonna write back." But he said, "No, like she's off doing her life." And actually, because of what a good job he did with this, she wrote back and she was like, "This was the most kind email. I am so grateful to be able to have uh, you know interviewed with you, and I truly let me know I can continue to support you." And, and talk about what you're doing at the abundance group. I'm like, what a powerful email. So like that template is in the intensive. You get like that actual email dad sent and you get to really use it to have these really difficult, cause there's difficult moments like firing somebody or saying like, no, like those aren't fun ever. Um, but we do things like that. So you have tools like that in the, in the intensive you get too. but um, really it's to give you a complete firm foundation to make sure that you're equipped to build your team well. And then the sky's the limit. So that's what we try to do. And again, it's a 12-week program done with you, not just taught at you. It's really done with you collaboratively, which is really cool.
0: So if, if people want to learn more about your program, I don't know, like if it's open for registration or maybe they want to get on a wait list or just learn yeah. more, do you have a link they should go to?
1: Yeah, actually, um, ha- you, you can head to uh, theabundance.group slash team. And either if we are in application mode or we're currently taking applications, which happens about, two weeks before. So the really cool thing we also do is when you fill out the application, we actually do a one-on-one call and we ask you where your business is at. Um, Again, we ask them some questions just to make sure they're actually ready to build a team. And if you're not, we just say, hey, let's connect in our next registration. Here's a couple of things you can do in the interim. Um, And then you ask any questions, um, which is great because I think before you make an investment to have that one-on-one was phenomenal. So that happens, um, like I say, we open applications about a month before uh, the program starts. So either if you open that up and we're taking applications, awesome, apply like right now. Um, but then otherwise you, you get on the wait list. If there's, there'll be kind of a page that says like, hey, you want to join the wait list. That's a perfect place to go. And again, it's the abundance.group slash team.
0: Okay, awesome. So we'll make sure to get that in the show notes for yeah. sure. And then final question for you, is how I end every episode. I have a free Facebook group, Braden's Besties. All of our listeners need to make sure that they're in that group. But if someone wants to become besties of you, Ashley, or of the Abundance group, maybe they're not ready to hire, they're a newer business owner, but they wanna soak up all of your knowledge and goodness, where should they go to do that?
1: Yeah, Instagram. Um, Honestly, like we have so many awesome free resources. If you're just starting to think about it. Um, And again, that question that we had about like affordability and you're at like 50% and you're getting excited. Like we have some great free tools where you can really, again, just learn mindset stuff about building a team, um, but also just connect with us in the DMs. Like just let us know like, hey, here's where I'm at. What would be a good resource? We'll point you in the right direction. Again, free, we're, we're happy to do that. But Instagram, and we're just the abundance group uh, on Instagram, so super easy.
0: Beautiful. All right, Ashley, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, of course, Brain. Thanks for having me.